You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, Built Jesus Tough, Part 5. Enjoy. Well, we're going to get back into what we were doing two weeks ago, uh, Built Jesus Tough. Are we rolling over there, Judah? Awesome. Thanks, man. So let's do it. Built Jesus Tough. This is who you are in Christ. You're built Jesus Tough. A life built on the promises of God is a life built Jesus Tough. A life built on man's opinions is a life destined to fail. A life built on what you've been through is a life that will fail. A life built on how other people have treated you is a life that will fail. But a life built on what God has done for you through Christ is a life that will succeed and flourish and go from strength to strength and glory to glory. So at Highway Church, we're different. We live each day differently. We make decisions based on the finished work of Christ. Wow. Just like that girl I shared with your testimony. So we're not begging God for anything. We're thanking him that he did it, that it's finished, and we've received it. We've received it. We're thanking him for it. That's, that's different than the vast majority of Christendom, right, of, of believers. So many believers struggling to, to figure out how to get something to happen in their lives and failing to realize God already did it, to simply thank him for it. So that's how we live. And we said in our series, it's really simple to be built Jesus tough. It's really simple. It's good to keep things simple in life, right? Don't, don't, don't fall into the trap of being always on the go, of being your life so full of stuff that you don't have time to rest and to enjoy the things that God has for you. And the world kind of pressures us to, to, to make us think that being busy is, is productive. It's not. It's not. What's productive is walking with the Lord. Letting him order your steps. It, maybe we need to shed some things in our lives that are, that are making us tired, right? Because we, we, we want every ounce of energy that we employ to be God-directed, to be the Holy Spirit leading us in, in how we're using our time and our resources. And don't feel guilty about sitting down in your recliner. And, and, and playing checkers with your wife, unless she beats you, then you should feel guilty. No. No, don't feel guilty about doing nice things, relaxing things, taking time to take a walk, taking time to sing, to talk with one another, to play a game. Hallelujah. It's not go, 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 go. That's not the yoke of Jesus. It's walking with him in the unforced rhythms of his grace. So there's only two steps to being built Jesus tough. We know number one is very simple. It's making God the Father your all in all. That's step number one. There's only two, so we're halfway there, right? It's making God the Father your all in all. In other words, you, regardless of what age you might be, you make a daily decision that your relationship with your heavenly Father is the motivating passion of your life. 
and you stick with that decision each day. That's step number one. And that's our memory scripture. You guys, how are we doing? Philippians 3.10, let's do it. Verse 8, can we put that up there? Yeah, for my determined purposes, sure, let's say it together, ready? For my determined purpose is that I may know him. That's what we're all about, right? That I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. Perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. Wow. Can we do it without the words on the screen? Let's try it with a blank screen. Eden, can you give us a blank screen over there? Ready? For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding him, well, understanding the wonders of his person. Is that right? More strongly and more clearly. Boy, God is so good. Now, I'll just share a little bit with you. I think the Lord wants me to emphasize this maybe a little bit. I grew up, uh, this is just me, and this is just how I responded, but I, I never quite knew when my dad would explode. He wasn't around a lot, but when he was, I was kind of like, on edge, you know, because I knew at any moment something could set him off. And uh, so as a result, you know, when he wasn't around, I, I could relax more. But when we come home, I'd get tight. So I might be, you know, come home after school and just chill out on the couch, have a bowl of cereal or something, you know. And if it just so happened, if my dad came home, as soon as I heard the car pulled in, I, I put everything away and I'd sit up straight like that. And maybe there's someone here that's tense because of some things you've been through. And, and I, I got to the point where if I wasn't busy all the time, I felt guilty. And I felt guilty because I thought, boy, you know, things are tough and there's pressure put, put, put on me, you know, to go out and do. And religion does that. You need to do. Go out and do. Go out and do. Go out and do. Do, 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 do. do. But God wants you to be. And the only way to be is by believing. And by faith, our actions come. So through faith in Him, we do. Right? Do doesn't precede faith. Faith, faith precedes the doing. Right? Faith moves us to action. So I want to encourage you to let the actions of your life grow out of your confidence in Him. Not out of guilt. All right? So that's step one, making God the Father your all in all. And step number two, it's the last step. It's really simple. It's building your life on his promises. So make God the Father your all in all, and then begin to build your life on his promises. And as you do that, you become Jesus tough. Jesus was tougher than tough. No one could stop Jesus. There were times they tried to kill him. There's times they tried to make him king. We just read that in our one-a-day plan. How are you guys doing on the one-a-day plan? What did we get through? John 7 on Friday? Is that where we're at? But there, I think I don't know if it was John 6 or somewhere in there, they wanted to make Jesus king. You would think Jesus said, okay, finally you guys are getting this. No, it wasn't time yet. He avoided, he went, he, he went on his way. 
right? So, so uh, he's, you, you don't want people to pull you one way or the other from God's path for your life. That's Jesus tough. I'm on his plan, I'm on his path, and no one's going to take me off of it, all right? So we're building our life on his promises. Now, you understand, I talk about God's promises a lot, but you understand that the value of a promise is, is not the promise itself. The value of, of God's promises are not the promises themselves, but the heart of God that's revealed through the promise. That's the value of a promise. See, with every promise in the Scriptures that I grab a hold of, that I embrace and I put my faith in, my heart gets a clearer picture of Him. So promises are kind of like pixels on a screen, right? The more pixels you have, the clearer the image. The more promises you've embraced, the clearer you'll see Him. Okay? So that's why we're about the promises, we want to know him clearly. We want to know him as he is. And that brings us to 2 Peter chapter 1. His promises give us this clear knowledge of him. And the clearer you understand him, the clearer you see him, the better your life gets. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Grace, that's God's riches at Christ's expense, and peace, that's wholeness, be multiplied unto you. How? Through the knowledge of God. Where do we find the knowledge of God? In His promises, in His Word. So if my knowledge of God is unclear or distorted, it's going to hinder the amount of grace and peace I experience in my life. Okay? Verse 3. Seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything, everything pertaining to life and godliness, how? Oh, there it is again. Through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. Verse 4. For by these He has granted to us. It's already done. You don't have to ask Him for it. He did it. It was His initiative. His, to us, His precious and magnificent promises. Why did He give them to us? So that by His promises, you would become a partaker of His nature. So God's promises are precious to us because they reveal His heart to us. They reveal His will to us. And God's promises are our weapons. Did you ever think of God's promises as a weapon? They are our weapons. Well, what are we fighting against? Thoughts. We're in a war against thoughts. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, says this. For the weapons, God's promises, of our warfare are not carnal. They're from God but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What's a stronghold? Something that has a stronghold on you. That's what a stronghold. It's that simple. It could be anything that has a stronghold on you. It could be any temptation. It could be uh, fear, worry, anxiety, sickness, whatever it is. Anything that has a stronghold on you, we have a weapon against it. 
the promises of God. Casting down imaginations. What are imaginations? A series of thoughts, right? And every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. It's really all about the knowledge of God, isn't it? That's our determined purpose to know Him, right? So we, we take the promises of God and we smash any thought that's contrary to who He is in our lives. We smash any thought that's contrary to the finished work of Christ. We smash any thought that would try and lead us away from His provision from our lives. So Satan comes against the knowledge of God with thoughts in all of our lives. Isn't that something? Why does Satan come against the knowledge of God? Well, what's Hosea 4.6 say? My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge of God. That's what it's talking about, not, not academic knowledge. My people are destroyed because they don't understand me. Because they're not seeing my heart clearly. Because they've been listening to the wrong thoughts about me. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge of me. Oh, what pain and griefs we bear. All because we do not carry everything to the Lord in prayer, right? Oh, what foolish things we go through just because we don't trust Him. Just because our image of Him has become distorted by thoughts we've chosen to believe. So Satan wants to destroy. Isn't he the destroyer, right? What Jesus say about the thief? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Yeah. So that's what he wants to do. And he knows the way that he can do that in your life is by coming against the knowledge of God in your life. That's his target. He wants you to have a twisted concept of God so that he can steal from you. But praise God, we're not going to let that happen. Satan has been defeated. We're not of those who are shrink back and are destroyed. We at Highway Church are of those who are believe and are saved. We know him. We know his voice. We hear his voice. We obey his voice. Where's that from in the Bible? John chapter 10, right? That's a good confession to say about yourself. I think it's 10. Is it 10? Yeah, I'm the the shepherd, the good shepherd, and the sheep know my voice. Begin to say that about yourself. I hear your voice, God. I know your voice, and the voice of a stranger I will not follow. The devil will say, you can't say that. You're not spiritual like so-and-so, but you are God's child. Right? We hear his voice not because of our, uh, all the efforts we've, we've done and all the things we've tried to do. We hear his voice because he's made our spirit alive through Christ. Your spirit's alive to God. You're alive unto him. So you hear his voice. Don't let the devil talk you out of that. That's part of your father-son relationship. You hear his voice. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So we know that God has revealed knowledge of himself, has revealed promises to us about every area of our lives. He has covered every area of your life with his promises. And the truth is, he wants you to be whole today. And he's made provision for your today wholeness through his son, Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5, 
Love this scripture. Gives us again a clearer picture of the heart of God and the very God of wholeness. That's what peace means. Wholeness and prosperity. The very God of wholeness sanctify you wholly. That means take you out of all the mess that you've been in. Take you out from underneath darkness and bring you into the light and put you back together again. That's sanctify. He sets you apart. He brings you out from the kingdom of darkness. He brings you into his family and he puts you together again. The very God of wholeness puts you together again, holy. And I pray, God, your whole spirit, W-H-O-L-E, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved. This translation says blameless. Another one says complete. Be preserved complete. Another one says sound. It's whole. Be preserved whole unto the coming of of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now we've just got a picture into the heart of God. Now I know God the Father wants me whole from this moment forward until Jesus comes again for the rest of my life, however long that is. All right, if he doesn't come back next week, then I'll be whole. If he doesn't come back in 80 years, I'll be whole. He wants me whole from now until Jesus comes back. That's the Father's heart. We just read it, right? Hallelujah. So we're going to get into the soul. We started getting into the soul in our last message in this series. And we, we talked about the spirit for a couple messages. Your spirit's the most important part of you. That's who you are. But we see in this verse there are three parts to you. You're a spirit, and your spirit is who you are, and you have a soul and a body. Now, the world doesn't understand the difference between the spirit and the soul. They use those terms, you know, uh, interchangeably. But there's a big difference. You are a spirit, but your soul is... Is, are, are, is a tool that God has given you. Consists of your mind, your will, and your emotions. So God solved the biggest problem uh, that, that we could ever face in our spirits, which was sin. Right? Sin separated us from God, and He solved the sin problem. Through Jesus Christ, our, He took our sins and gave us His righteousness. Our spirits used to be dead to God, but now they're alive to Him. Right Now we hear His voice. Now we, we know his presence. So he solved, and you can learn more about that in the last message of this series two weeks ago. And you can do that at highwaychurch.us, right? Go there. It's all free. Click on the podcast button. Listen to the messages on the Spirit. Get to know the righteousness that God has given you, right? 2 Corinthians 5.21, God gave us his righteousness, all right? So he solved the sin problem. Well, guess what? He solved the soul problem too. Your spirit and your soul are connected. It's important to understand that. Even though technically they're different, they're connected. You can't separate them. You can only discern between them. And so many believers, Christians, are struggling in their lives because they're walking by their soul instead of their spirit. And they're struggling from one day to the next because their soul is leading them and not their spirit. Well, we're going to stop that today, right? Amen. We walk in the Spirit. Was it Romans 8 says that? Or 6? We walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. NIV says we, we're controlled by the Spirit, not by the flesh. All right? So we walk in the Spirit, not the soul. Let's look at Hebrews 4.12. 
The only way that you can accurately discern between what your soul is telling you or what your spirit is telling you is through the Word of God. It's the only tool that we have that can accurately discern between the soul and the spirit. Man can't do it. Therapy can't do it. Psychology can't do it. Get you all messed up trying to figure this stuff out. It's God's Word that you need. Isn't that wonderful? What you need has been provided for you. Hebrews 4.12, For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Boy, this is so crucial. You've got to know when your soul is talking to you and when your spirit is talking to you and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts. Remember what our war is against? Ungodly thoughts. God's Word is a discerner of thoughts. So if you don't know the Word, you're going to have a hard time discerning thoughts, right? So we're students of the Word because it's, it's our weapon. It's our tool that enables us to discern wrong thoughts and right thoughts and to discern between our soul and our spirit. The discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Your spirit, I want everyone to make sure you hear this, your spirit, if you're born again, if you've put your faith in Christ and you're born again, your spirit will never lead you astray. Never. Never. Your spirit, because it's perfectly united with God. Your spirit has been made new in the image of Christ and the Holy Spirit is living in you. Your spirit will never lead you astray. Your soul can. It can. So it's important that you understand the difference when my soul is talking and when my spirit is talking. So even though a believer in Christ, their spirit is made new, they can live a miserable life. A miserable life. Because their soul is dominating them. See, your soul is really where the battle is. Your spirit's been made new. It's been made in the image of God, but your soul hasn't been made new. (laughs) You have to take authority over it and tell it what to think. Tell it how to feel. If you wait for your soul to get in line, it's not going to happen. That's why God gave you a new spirit, to give you the advantage to put you in charge again. When Adam fell, things flipped upside down. His body and his soul controlled him, and his spirit was separated from God. When we put our faith in Christ, things turned right side up again. Our spirit was made new and put in control of our soul and our body. These are our servants. Your body's your servant. Your soul are, your soul are tools that God has given you. All right? So we're now in control again. And we don't let our soul tell us how to feel and what to do. We tell our soul the truth about who God is. So the mind is a really amazing place. We talked about this at the get-together on Wednesday at Allen and Judy's. We're talking about the anatomy of doubts. And Judy uh, led us through a Bible study about the anatomy of doubts. But the mind is really an amazing place. And it really is where the battlefield is. I don't remember how many years ago, but you, you're probably familiar with the, the classic book called The Battlefield of the Mind by Joyce Meyer. Great book. I mean, I read it many years ago, but as I remember, it was just a great book. But it really talks about the battle that we're talking about today. 
But why is the battle in your mind? Well, the mind is the factory for thoughts, right? Your spirit's all set. But it's up in here in the mind where the, the devil wants to, to try and manufacture wrong images and wrong thoughts. In fact, Proverbs 27.3 makes it very clear. Let's put that up there, Proverbs 27.3. For as he thinks within himself, so he is. What? It doesn't say for as God has willed, so he is. Boy, has God given us sovereignty over our own lives, hasn't he? He's made us in his image free with a free will to believe whatever we want to believe. It's the, the Scriptures tell us as he thinks within himself, so he is. Wow. That's powerful. In fact, one translation reads it this way. Can you put the other one up there, another rendering? For as he reckons in his soul, so he is. As he reckons in his soul. You remember we talked about inventory? You want to know what reckon means? Literally, if you trace it back, it means to count up and come to a conclusion based on what you've counted. Whose thoughts are you counting? What thoughts are you taking inventory of in your mind? See, if you begin to count the thoughts that the enemy puts in your mind, and if you leave them in there long enough, you'll begin to believe them. And what you believe, you'll eventually begin to feel. And what you believe, you'll eventually begin to act upon. But it starts up here. So thoughts are really important. For as we think within ourselves, so we are. So let's count some thoughts that will transform us. Let's count God's thoughts. Jeremiah 29, 11. Let's, let's get some thoughts in our storehouse. God's thoughts. Do you think God's thoughts after him begin today? This is what he says, for I know the thoughts. <laughs> I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of wholeness, thoughts of prosperity, thoughts of well-being, not of evil, to give you an expected end. I know the thoughts I have towards you. Now, believe it or not, Jennifer related to me. She was at a conference some time ago, Christian conference. And one of the speakers stood up and was upset that he hears pastors preaching on this verse, saying this is not for Christians today. He's saying this promise, if you know your Bible, this promise was spoken to Israel, and it's not for us today. I thought, you got to be kidding. I thought I heard them all. <laughs> really, it's not for us today. Well, let's see about that. Well, first of all, I've been grafted in through faith in Christ. But, but I've, got, I, I've, I've been grafted in not to this nation that's, that's, a, that's of the circumcision of the flesh, 
but to a nation that's of the faith of Abraham, the circumcision of the heart. I'm in the nation of Israel. I'm in a a, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. I'm in. Secondly, this, this promise reveals the heart of God to every human being. Regardless of the context it was spoken in. We're not taking anything out of context. We're recognizing the context of God's heart. Thirdly, 2 Corinthians chapter 1.20 says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are all yes in Christ. So one of my favorite things to do is to go through the Bible and find promises. I don't care if they're in Genesis or Revelation. They're mine. Because I'm in Christ. Right? They're mine. They've got my name all over them because of Jesus. Don't let anyone talk you out of the promises of God. Hallelujah. What about Psalm 139? We're talking about thoughts, right? How precious are your thoughts about me? What are his thoughts of wholeness, prosperity, well-being, right? Jeremiah 29, 11. How precious are your thoughts about me? Your thoughts of wholeness, your thoughts of prosperity. You have no evil thoughts about me. God has never once had an evil thought about you. Never once, not for one moment in all of time, has he ever had an evil thought about you, and he will never have an evil thought about you. Talk about a safe place. Wow. How precious are your thoughts about me? They're never evil. They're always good. They can't be numbered. We're reckoning, right? We're taking inventory. Next verse. I can't even count them. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. God's thoughts of wholeness about you outnumber the grains of sand. The good things God wants to do in your life outnumber the grains of sand. Woo-wee! And when I wake up, you're still with me. Hallelujah! Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah! So the mind is a holy place. It's a factory where all kinds of things can be manufactured. I mean, have you ever read a really good book? Years ago, (laughs) as a family, we read a book that was wonderful. It's called Where the Red Fern Grows. How many people have read that book? Now, we read it as a family. If you remember the story, we got to the point where you know what happens in that book. And here we are, all six of us, sitting in our living room reading this book, and we just start bawling. I mean, I couldn't even talk. I'm crying so hard because you know what happened to his dog. And I, was like, <laughs> I mean, I, we were weeping. It was such a good story. But you know what? It didn't happen. It was just a story. And here we are sitting in a book, and we're just weeping like we were right there when that dog got attacked. And I'm not going to tell you if you haven't read it, but... Oh, it was, it was so moving. What happened? We took those thoughts. 
They were in our mind and they manufactured images and feelings. Powerful feelings. But nothing happened. We were fine in our living room. Our dog was fine. Our cat was fine. We were all fine. And we're six people sitting there bawling our eyes out and nothing's wrong. But that's what happens in our lives when we accept thoughts. You can be bawling your eyes out and nothing's wrong. It's true. It's true. You can be depressed and upset and anxious and nothing's wrong. God's got you covered. Hallelujah. He's got you covered. Oh, and I remember the Elsie Dinsmore series. Oh, my goodness. We read that one. That was Kleenex City. Oh, it's a story about a little girl. Oh, my goodness. But have you ever been to a movie? Same kind of thing, right? A good movie, a good script, and it moves you. And you're, you're, you're on your seat, you're like doing this, and nothing's really happening. It's just a picture on a screen, right? But that's how powerful our thoughts are. Very, very powerful. All right, we're going to get ready to have a little party here. You ready for this? Proverbs 14.30. So, so don't underestimate what you think about. And if what you're thinking about uh, is not in line with God's love for you, smash it. Don't accept it for a moment. Smash it with his promises. Look, what, look how important the mind is. Look at this verse, Proverbs 14.30. A calm and undisturbed mind and heart are the life and health of the body. <laughs> wow. A calm and undisturbed mind are, and heart are the life and health of the body. An undisturbed mind is essential for health. Essential. Key ingredient. You might say, uh-oh, but I've got a disturbed mind. I want you to know that God through Christ has given you an undisturbed mind. Amen. You believe me? Don't ever take my word for anything. Let me give you God's word on it. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. See, just like God made provision for your spirit, he's made provision for your soul. Isn't that great? Yeah. Isn't that wonderful? He didn't leave it out. He made provision for your soul. 2 Timothy 1.7 tells me, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Can I tell you what the word sound means? Undisturbed. Through Christ, God has given us an undisturbed mind. In fact, the word sound, I love it. I, I, it means undisturbed, untroubled, whole, not damaged, injured, or diseased. That's what God has given you, a sound mind. Man can't figure this out. They're trying, you know, to balance the chemicals in the body with different medications. And boy, you know, it just it, most of the time makes it worse than it ever was. 
And the side effects of those uh, things they're taking end up becoming a major issue in that person's life. So, the, so they get prescribed another, another drug to counter the side effects of the first drug, and it goes on and on and on, and they're never set free. We need God. Drugs can't do it for you. They can't. I'm not tr- trying to insult anyone's intelligence, but we were made to walk with God. We weren't made to pop pills. We're made to walk with the living, breathing God who's living and breathing inside of us through faith in Christ. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 2.16. I don't know if you're ready for this one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Talk about a healthy mind. We have the mind of Christ. Who, who, I know we have Brendan graduating today. Who else is graduating this spring? Mariah's graduating. Anyone else? Uh, the, the Sheridan? Sheridan's graduating. She'll be back. If you're a student, whatever grade you're in, that is an excellent confession to make as you go to school. I have the mind of Christ. I have, when you're studying, I have the mind of Christ. If you're a businessman, Right? If you're whatever you do, I have the mind of Christ. All right, we're almost there. So God's provision for our mind becomes established in our lives when we believe it and speak it. That's it. So I hear these promises, what you're hearing today, I then grab a hold of them with my heart. I believe it's true for me. And then I begin to say it over my life. I have the spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. This is the cure for Alzheimer's. Do you know that? This is the cure for dementia. People want to know the cure. This is it. The world's searching for cures. We've got it right here. But you've got to believe it. And you've got to speak it over your life, right? This is it. This is the cure. In fact, God spoke to Joshua at a pivotal time in his life in Joshua chapter 1. You can put that up there, please. Now, this, this could have been a very frightening time for Joshua. I mean, probably one of the most powerful men of God in history was his mentor, Moses, right? A, God, a man who was raised in Pharaoh's house. You know, a man who walked with God, saw God, visited with God, spent twice, was it twice 40 days in the presence of God? I mean, and and Joshua was being mentored by this man, and Moses died at 120 years old. His strength was 100%, not abated. His eyes were not dim. And now it's Joshua's turn to follow in his footsteps. You know, you might think, whoa. And now I've got these millions of people, and it's... Moses is gone, and I've got to take them in to God's promises. And God encourages him, and he says, This book of the law, my word, my promises, shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Now, what does that word meditate mean? It's a word that I I think a lot of believers don't understand because they've seen false meditations in different religions. Meditate means simply this. You say softly to yourself that truth over and over again. 
I have the spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. I have the mind of Christ. I'm meditating. That's it. It's that simple. But how long do I do that? All day and all night. It's a continual thing, in other words. It's not works. We're not trying to earn anything. We're building a house. We're being built Jesus strong. So it's rolling off our tongue, these promises. You know what it also means? It means to imagine in. In other words, to make your thoughts be in line with it. So God's given me the mind of Christ. So I see myself living with that mind. I see myself going through my daily responsibilities with a sound mind, with a spirit of power and of love. That's meditating. See? It's very practical. And that's what we do. We meditate in His promises day and night. So regardless of what you may have been labeled with or diagnosed with, this will fix it. Meditating in His Word. Right? So now, and I, I had a history of stuff in my family. But I began to meditate in the Lord and said, no, I have a sound mind. The joy of the Lord is my strength. In His presence is fullness of joy. His presence is living in me. So meditate my word day and night that you may observe and do according to all that's written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous. And then you shall deal wisely and have good success. Now we're about to get in, and we're going to close, into the cure for depression. You want to know the cure for depression? Again, this has just become off the charts. And what man will do, and I know they're trying. I'm not trying to fault anyone, but we want the truth. Man will analyze you apart from God and then label you with a condition that's not curable to them. And then the only thing they know to do is to try and therapy you your way through life or medicate you through life. But that's not the answer. Man didn't make you. I don't care where they got their degrees. They didn't make you. Man, I don't care how advanced we think we've become. Man can't fix man. He can't. God is our healer. It's so important to understand that. We need to come to God to be whole. Because, man, I'm telling you, what is that scripture? I wish I could remember the reference. But it says, woe to those who go down to Egypt for help. Those who trust in man. Right? Those who, who trust in chariots and horses instead of the Lord. Right? We want to trust in him. We want to receive the healing from him. Right? So Philippians chapter 4, we've got the cure for depression. Here we go. Rejoice in the Lord 24-7. That's it. It's that simple. You say, I can't do that. Yes, you can. Don't ever let anyone tell you you can't do this. That is not true. There's nothing true about that. Rejoice in the Lord always. Delight, gladden yourselves in Him. Again, I say rejoice. Are you ready now? Here's a verse I've been waiting to get to. Celebrate God all day, every day. That's a cure for depression right there. 
Celebrate God, not what you've been through, God. Celebrate who He is, His amazing love for you, what He's done for you through Christ. Celebrate His provision in your life every day, all day, every day. I mean revel in Him. Can I read you the definition of revel? Revel in God all day, every day. Revel in Him. It means to enjoy oneself in a lively and noisy way. Have you ever enjoyed yourself in a lively and noisy way? And there's sometimes I'm spending time with God. I say, thank you, God. Hallelujah. You did it. 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 Revel in him day and night. I'm not done with the definition yet. Enjoy oneself in a lively and noisy way, especially with drinking and dancing. That's the definition. Being lively, noisy, drinking, and dancing in God, right? Holy Spirit drinking is what I'm talking about. Filling yourself up with the Holy Spirit, dancing in the Holy Spirit. Now, you might say, oh, I don't, I, I don't do that. If there was a fire in your house, you'd get up and move. Don't listen to that lie, I'm not like that. God has made us to move. He's made us to dance and to praise him. He's made us to be alive and to shout and to say, thank you, Father. It's time to employ your energy for his praise. It's time to celebrate God all day, every day. I've had times in my life where depression came on me. It felt like a... a, a 200-pound soaking wet blanket just, pam, hit me in the head. And you know what I, I began to do? Hallelujah! Jesus, you're great. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Thank you, Father. You're working all things out for my good. You're accomplishing the things that concern me. Your love for me is leading the way. You're my God. You've given me a sound mind. You've given me a strong spirit. I'm full of the Holy Spirit. The resurrection life of Christ is flowing through me. Thank you, Lord. I praise you for the victory. Glory and honor and power be unto you. Thank you for new life. You love me. You love me. You're prospering me. You're working things out for my good. Thank you, Lord. I'm celebrating you all day, every day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, you keep playing. That's good. We're going to be singing here in a moment. Hallelujah. Have you ever done that? You might break a sweat, but it's all right. Start celebrating God. See, the devil doesn't mind you if you move for, for fear right, or anxiety or depression, but when you begin to employ your energy for his praise, that you've got the victory before you feel it and before you see it. Don't wait to feel different to know that you're healed. You're healed now. You're delivered now. You're whole now. You're free from sin now. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Keep playing. Keep on playing now. Hallelujah! Now, I'm going to read you. I want to read the rest of the scripture. Then we're going to party. Are you ready? All right. Verse 6. Verse 6. This is the cure. Oh, oh, good. You over there? Oh, thank you, Olivia. You're awesome. Do not fret. Don't do it. Okay? Don't fret or have any anxiety about anything. How do you do that? Through praise. Right? Don't fret. Don't have any anxiety about anything. But in every circumstance and in everything... 
by prayer and petition, definite requests with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. So part of praise is letting him know what I want. Hallelujah. Boy, does that knock the religion right out of you, right? Father, thank you for a new car. Thank you for our home paid in full. Thank you, Lord God, for your provision flowing in our lives. That pleases him. Hallelujah. Next verse. Verse 7. Hallelujah. And God's peace. So if you celebrate God all day, every day, if you rejoice in him always, delight and gladden yourself in him, God's peace shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds. There are benefits to praising him you haven't discovered yet. If you will praise him, if you'll, not because of, uh, of any other reason, but because of who he is. We're rejoicing in him, not on what we've been through, right? His peace will garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, I'm sorry, Olivia, next one. Before you know it, I love this, before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. Boy, have I seen that in my life. I feel terrible. I don't feel like taking another breath, but I begin to worship him and praise him. And before I know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, comes and settles me down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. (laughs) It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Last verse. Here we go. Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, that's what stays in your mind. Right? That's the criteria for my thoughts. How about you? Come on. This is our criteria right now. If anything doesn't line up with these, it's smashed. It's rejected. It's out of there. So are you ready to celebrate God? Father, we celebrate you right now. Hallelujah. We bless your name. Jesus, you're the one. You did it. You defeated depression. You defeated sickness. You defeated disease. And here we are today. We're made new in your presence. It's wonderful what happens when you displace worry in the center of our lives. We bless your name. We're going to revel in you right now. We revel in you, Jesus. We revel in you. We thank you. We take a big drink of your spirit. And we say thank you for brand new life. Thank you for your healing power flowing through our bodies right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's see it. Jesus, you are the one. Jesus, you are the one. You are the one. King. Jesus, you are the one who is worthy of the highest praise. Jesus, you are the one. You are the one. The King of glory. Come on, Jesus. You're the one, Jesus. The of the highest praise. Jesus, you are the one. You are the one. Keep playing. All right, here we are, right here, right now. Come on, there's healing in this place. Are you ready to receive some healing? Come on. Whatever it is, receive it now. And then begin to praise God that it's yours. All right? Praise Him as if you know it so. Because it is. 
All right? Make yourself, grab a hold of this, embrace this God life. This is who he is. Whatever it is, Father, right now, we celebrate that every need of our life has been met. Every physical need of our life has been met. Every mental and emotional need has been met. Every spiritual need has been met. Every financial need has been met. Well, let's just do this for physical right now, okay? This is physical needs right here. Physical needs right here. Come on. Whatever you got, think of them right now. Take inventory and receive it all. You don't have to receive healing for one thing. Why not receive healing for the whole thing, for your whole body right now? Come on. You can come up here if you want. You don't have to stay in your seat. Are you ready? You know what you need, and God knows even better. Father, we receive it right now. It was our pains your son Jesus carried, our disfigurements, all the things wrong with us and with the stripes that wounded Jesus. We have been healed. We grab a hold of it. We've received it, and we thank you for it. Come on, Jesus, you're the one. Hey, Jesus. Jesus, you are the one who is worthy of the highest praise. Jesus, you are the one, you are the one, the King of glory. Jesus, you are the one who is worthy of the highest praise. Jesus, you are the one, you are the one. Did you receive it? Hallelujah. I love it. Just like I told you about the depression, there are times symptoms would shoot into my body. And I'd stand up and say, no, in the name of Jesus, I'm healed. And I'd begin to run. Whether it was knee, back, whatever it was, no, I'm healed. I'm celebrating God all day. You do the same. Celebrate God. Refuse to be anything less than what he's provided for you. How about financial needs? We have any financial needs in here? Hallelujah. Let's receive those right now, okay? Father, we thank you that you supply all of our needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. We have received our inheritance. We have received it. You cause all grace to abound unto us so that in all things, at all times, having all that we need, we abound in every good work. So you got your financial needs in mind? Let's receive it right now. Let's receive an overflow of God's financial provision for our lives right now. We receive it, Father. We thank you for your abundant supply showing up big in our lives this week. Let's sing it again. Jesus, hey. Jesus, you're the one. Jesus, you are the one who is worthy of the highest praise. Jesus, you are the one. You are the word, the King of glory. Jesus, you are the one who is worthy of the highest praise. Jesus, you are the one, you are the word, the King of glory. Hallelujah. God, you're so good. Thank you for new life, Lord. Thank you. We're going to celebrate you all day, every day. Hallelujah! At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. 
If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.